0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: Tonight, I'm going to be talking about engaging with other people taking some scriptures as we go along. I'll, I'll post them at the church Facebook page in case anybody wants them. You can take notes if you want to, but I am going to post it on the church Facebook page. This is not what I was going to talk about tonight. As of the weekend, I thought I was going to be talking about something else, something else that the Lord seemed to have laid on my heart, but it wouldn't come together. So... I thought, well, maybe that means that I should be going back to the book of Exodus because I've been teaching in the book of Exodus. I couldn't get started. And I was like, well, okay, God, what should I be talking about? Where do I go? And it became clear to me, and it came together really quickly. It was about engaging with others because we live in a time right now not only do we have a a time of a a sustained crisis with covid 19 but we also have a lot of things happening internationally we have a lot of things happening nationally we are in an election cycle and we live in a world of social media so that's one more way for people to argue about politics about culture And it's also a time when evangelical Christians, of which Calvary chapels are part of that larger group, are in the news and um, they're being stereotyped, and then there's the occasional person who seems to perpetuate that stereotype, and that seems to be the people that news media pays attention to. Um, And if you are uh, if your only experience is in a calvary chapel uh, then we're part of the new churches that came in the 1970s founded by chuck smith and a bunch of hippies basically yeah. and so a lot of that evangelical history is not actually our history now i was raised in uh, some baptist churches in in the north so i have a sort of a history there, there are other Christians who were, came out of the uh, Baptist churches uh, and, and uh, other similar churches in, in the South, and that 's a different history that, that, course, that intersects with culture and intersects with um, other life experiences. And you put all that together, there's a lot that people can argue about, but I, I, we shouldn't be arguing. Should we be engaging? Engaging is a conversation. Engaging is when you're listening. Engaging is when you're being careful about what you say and how you say it. And I I think part of the reason why the Lord laid this on my heart was because um, it's something I need to be reminded of. Now, there may be people listening who don't need to be reminded of this because it's not a problem. Pray for the rest of us pray for the rest of us. And also listen to these scriptures because it might be that you will have the opportunity to turn around and share a scripture with somebody else and help them. Okay. Am I click Oh, there we go. Okay. We're going to begin with uh, some foundational scriptures. Matthew 7, 12, Jesus is speaking to, I believe this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets, which would have made sense, he was speaking to a bunch of, almost all Jewish people. Um, this is the same verse in the uh, Christian Standard Bible. I liked its rendering a bit better. So I'm going to read this. Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. So to begin with, when we're engaging, whether in person or online, and if whether we're engaging with a person who is a, a family member, a friend, Uh, an acquaintance, a friend of a friend, somebody that we don't even know because we're posting on this open Facebook group page. We want to treat them in the way that we would want to be treated, no matter what the topic is, and that can be difficult because I I certainly have a few topics that are are, um, sore spots with me, and um, I think most people have that. And so the time that we want to be aware of this isn't in the easier conversations. It's the ones that may hit us closer to home. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This I do a song with the kids, or I I did, and maybe someday I'll do it again, uh, based on this scripture. I don't think it's one of their favorites, but I like to do it anyway because I, I want them to hear it. Because it's an important scripture about us loving one another and about loving other people. And we do that in a lot of ways, including how we communicate with people. Okay. Luke six twenty seven to 32 Jesus is speaking. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you, to him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Now, there's a lot of different ways that that can be unpacked that I'm not going to unpack. It's just in the realm of, of interpersonal relationships with people, people online and also in person. Um, I know people, people who are Christians, who think that Muslims are this horrible group of people. And other people think that it's, you know, there are other groups, I could just list them, and Those are your enemies. Those are the people that you're being called to love, whether you know them in person, or you you interact with them online. And I live live in in South Brunswick, New Jersey. I live in a townhouse. So I've got a wide range of people, um, of all kinds of people, all backgrounds. And so a lot of these people are my neighbor. And I, online, I, I, I don't think I'm out there too much, but I, I do come across a lot of different kinds of people, different experiences. So um, this is a reminder that we're to love those people, even if it's part of a group that we have a problem with. And if we have a problem with them, maybe the problem's with us. That's something we take to the Lord. Luke 10:29 to 34. Jesus just finished saying, um, answering somebody about what they would do to um, be in a right relationship with God. And he said to love the Lord, all, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and also to love your neighbor as yourself. So uh, there's a guy. He wants to justify himself, and I'll begin at 29. But he, the guy, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion. Now, Samaritans were the descendants of uh, intermixing of Jewish people and people that had been settled hundreds of years before by the Assyrians. And they had taken Judaism, and they had branched off into their own form of worship, did not involve the temple, did not involve the priest or the Levites. They set up their own priesthood. And the Jews hated them not only ethnically as half-breeds in their mind, but also uh, that their practice of the faith was an abomination because it wasn't correct. So this would be the most hated kind of person. Now the man, we're imagining him, he's a Jew. And he gets robbed, and he's by the side of the road, and you have a priest and a Levite. The priest actually conducted the worship. The Levites helped with everything else in the temple to make that possible. So they were like the staff. They were also security. And they walked... Right by, maybe because they were in a hurry and had a deadline and they wanted to be there. Maybe because they didn't want to touch the guy because if he was dead, then they would actually, um, they couldn't go into the temple for a certain amount of time before they did ritual washings because they were ritually unclean. It's not a good reason to pass somebody in need, but they passed him. But the Samaritan did not. And let's see what he did. So he, the Samaritan, went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he departed, and he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Now, we have a set of videos here. They are um, sort of modern-day retellings of some of the parables in the Bible. And one of them is the Good Samaritan. And in that, you have an old man, an old, you know, kind of like me, but maybe 20 years older. Uh, He gets mugged and in the story uh, pastors go by and and somebody else goes by who's like a church elder and the guy who comes and picks him up and takes him he looks like an Arab or maybe a Turk and takes care of him and uh, it it was um, it really helped but here we're called to do that for other people and sometimes that's going to be in person and sometimes it's going to be online with a kind word romans 12:14 to 19 church of rome was had jews in it had gentiles in it but then the emperor claudius expelled all the jews because uh, there were some problems that that had happened with the Jewish people there. And his solution, I'm not saying it was a good solution, but his solution to restore order was to expel all the Jews. So he did that. So for a few years, the church in Rome was just Gentiles. Then it was safe to come back. The Jews started filtering in. And this reconstituted church had some issues. And that was part of why Paul wrote the epistle, because he would heard about the issues, um, the issues between Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles. So a lot of that book had to do with that. But at the end, he had some things just to sort of tell them on how to treat people and how to deal with people. And that's what we're going to go into here. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be the same mind towards one another, Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine I will repay, says the Lord. That includes if somebody insults us, whether in person or online. Because I've seen many exchanges where people say, how dare you, you can't say that to me. And they go on and on. But Paul here is saying, the thing to do there is, is, is not to get into it with that person. But as much as possible, live with them in peace. And then later on, if, if you find that that person has suffered some sort of loss, lost a job, lost a relative, maybe you come in, you, in person, maybe you sit with them, let them know you're sorry. Or if it's online, you, you, you let them know very sincerely that you're sorry for their loss. This kind of um, behavior is important because we are ambassadors for Christ. We're part of a church here. We're part of a larger church. And how we engage with people is very important, even if we're right or think that we're right. Now, Paul continues, he says, if you, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head do not be, become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that quotes Proverbs 25, 21 to 22. So this could be, for example, a neighbor that for some reason you're not getting along with. Let's just say it's um, somebody who, can't, uh, who has a car, but they can't shovel snow because they, they have health problems. And, and maybe God will call you to clear the snow out from around their car. Do something good for them. No matter, even if that person had a harsh word for you, just before that. That's one example, but there are others. Use your imagination. Exodus twenty-three five, If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. What could this look like? Well, say again, it's somebody that you know in person. Maybe you've had arguments with that person, or maybe that person doesn't like you because you're whatever. Your your politics, the fact that you're a Christian, and maybe that person's another religion. Could be anything. You're driving down the road and you see that person pulled over. And you know how to you know a little bit about cars, so maybe you can pull over and help them. Maybe it's a tire that needs uh, help with changing. Do you keep driving? Do you stop? The Lord would want us to stop in that situation, to see what we could do to help. Job 3129 to 30. Have I ever rejoiced when disaster struck my enemies or become excited when harm came their way? No. I have never sinned by cursing anyone or by asking for revenge. This one's hard. If you've ever had somebody hurt you deeply or hurt somebody that you love, this one is hard. Because my temptation is to rejoice if something bad happens. There was a time years, a few years ago, one of my daughters um, had some problems with an old boyfriend. And he tried to ruin her life. And he actually made a lot of progress towards it. And uh, Pastor Joe, you know about this. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to curse him. I didn't want to ask for revenge. But I wanted it. I had to deal with that in my heart. As things played out, some of the things, one thing I had prayed is that some of the things that he had planned would would sort of fall back on him, would backfire, and they did. But even then, I knew that God didn't want me to rejoice over that. It was appropriate that it happened, but not a reason for me to rejoice. If there's somebody, say, and this could be somebody politically, okay? Somebody who's politically has a different opinion than me and they fall in some way or they get divorced or something bad happens. I see it online. I see people, sometimes Christians, rejoicing. Oh, he had it coming we're not called to do that. We're not called to rejoice when things happen to somebody else, even if if we don't think that they're a very nice person or if we think they in some way deserve it. We have to check ourselves. And certainly, we don't want to curse anyone, which I've seen Christians do online and I've heard about occasionally in person when they get upset about something. And certainly... Um, revenge is something for God; it's not for us. There are other scriptures that touch on this too, but uh, Job. I saw this one first, and, and I, I think it's it's the best one that fits in tonight, because this is something he had thought about, and, and he realized that he couldn't rejoice over somebody else's disaster. And, and and he wasn't going to respond in being wrong by cursing anyone or even asking God for revenge. Philippians three, thirteen to fourteen. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called for me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And he is talking about the prize in Christ. He wasn't there yet. He hadn't done everything he wanted uh, for Christ. He didn't know God as well as he felt he could know him. He was in a first century dungeon. And he is writing about forgetting what happened and looking ahead. I have trouble processing that. Because I don't think that that's what I would be writing to other people if I was sitting in a first-century dungeon. But Paul did that, and this is good sometimes because we have people that wronged us, betrayed us, hurt us, and even years later or decades later, it can still eat away at us. You know, it could be it could be a loved one, a relative, or um, an ex. Could be, uh, uh, I had a boss. I felt like that. I had to wrestle with that for years. And um, and then he tried to friend me on LinkedIn, and it was like, I didn't respond to it. But I had to deal with that. And you know, he ended up getting cancer and, and passing away. Uh, he wasn't a good boss, but he was a good dad, and he was a good husband. And I was thankful that I, I was able to just get past some of those things and, and to prep, move ahead with what God had for me. Colossians 3, 1-4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. A lot of culture is earthly. A lot of politics are earthly. Not all. Some cultural things touch on the spiritual. Some political things touch on the spiritual, certainly. But a lot of it doesn't. A lot of it is things that, that, that people can disagree on, and, and it's, it's outside of the spiritual realm. We should remember what's most important. What's most important is what God has for us to do individually, what God has for us to do as a church. And when we have that perspective, certainly we can engage with people. Because I don't think we're called to not to disengage. There are some Christians who do that. I don't think we're called to that. But we're to engage with grace, and we're to engage in, with the idea that some of these things that are being discussed aren't the most important things. And that it's okay to let somebody else have the last word. Because the world's moving ahead in, in the European Union, um, they made it they took a step that caused the European Union to move um, it's more federalized than it was before um, right now uh, previously it, it was harder to get the European Union to do anything because you had to get everyone to agree to it um, they they with covid nineteen they're taking some steps that Will make the European Union move more as one and, and that 's the kind of thing that that we would expect to be happening coming around the time of the rapture okay it 's a subtle thing, but it, it 's an important thing and i 'll leave it to the scholars to determine whether or not how that really fits in. I thought it was interesting because when I was a kid i 'd learned you know that that, that that part of the whole Uh, What what would be unfolding in the end times was something happening in Europe where all the countries were going to come together and coalesce into one unit. And and then we had the EU, and the EU has not been one unit, but it seems to be taking steps to be more like one unit. And that's important, potentially. But our response should be doing what God has for us and engaging with people in such a way that... um, we're still able to share Christ for, to those who don't know it. That we don't get into arguments such that we couldn't turn around and talk about spiritual things. As a matter of fact, if we do it right, they may want to engage with us because of, of how we've been engaging with them. They, want, they, they may want to hear from, about Christ from us because of how we have treated them. Even if it's something that we disagree on profoundly. That's our opportunity, so I hope that we take it. I hope that I take it, because part of this was, was me. You know, How do I engage? I became concerned about it. Um, there were posts that I would type and then cancel. Uh, there were a couple that I edited. I, I, I don't want to get into something about with somebody so much that um, there's conflict, and, and I've turned that person off. And I can't be a friend of that person, or I can't encourage them, or if they know if they don't know Christ, I wouldn't they wouldn't hear it from me. So, and in person, yeah, that still happens, but not as much with COVID nineteen. So I think it's online. And again, if if this is not an issue with you, please know that it is an issue in the larger church, and uh, pray for us that we would engage in such a way that we would honor Christ that. Um, that we would be careful about not only what we say, but how we say it, and um, that we would look for opportunities to share the gospel with people and look for opportunities to um, encourage people, help them, let them know we care. It's important. I think that we as a church are going to have a rare opportunity over the next couple of years. And we we need to be available. Just as we were singing, surrendered to God, asking God to use us. And and, um, that's my prayer. And hopefully it's yours too. And if you're not a Christian and you've been listening to this and you think, well, why would I want to be a Christian? Because you guys seem to be a mess. Well, we're forgiven. Christ came and and died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. And he helps us to be better people. Some people have become wonderful people, and they weren't before. Other people, they're not so wonderful, but they were a lot worse before. God helps us. And this has been true for as long as the church has been around. We've never gone, there's never been a time that I could think of that I would point to and say, gee, I wish we were back at that time because that's when everything in the church was great. In church history, there's always been some kind of problem or problems that God's been dealing with. In the early church, many of the epistles dealt with issues that were happening in churches. And because we don't stop being human beings, we need to be, I need to be reminded from scripture on how I deal with people, how I treat people. Because if I'm not being careful, I'm going to turn somebody off. I'm going to say something that I regret and um, I'm not going to be a good representative of Christ to people who need to hear about him.